It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. We all have experienced disappointment, sadness, rejection, or the loss of something meaningful in our lives. When you're wounded, innate animalistic instincts for self-protection kick in as a means for survival. These behavior patterns are a natural and necessary coping strategy at first. But many dwell far too long in these patterns and separate themselves from the source of inner wisdom and intuition. Using astrology as a diagnostic tool, today's special guest, Lisa Taher, LCSW, reveals how to use the astrological placement of the minor planet Chiron in your birth chart to identify the core wounds and unconscious patterns, capacity to have self-empathy and to forgive. Lisa is a clinical social worker and thought coach living in both New Orleans and Los Angeles. She is the founder of Psychoastrology and the author of The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. And um, we are going to talk to Lisa today, and we have so much to talk about. This is such a very, very interesting topic and a really different approach for you, so I'm sure you will enjoy it. Um, let's see. Oops. Okay. Good morning, Lisa. Welcome. Randy, thank you so much for having me on today with your audience. This is a pleasure and a delight for me. Oh, good. We're so happy to have you, Lisa. Um, you trademarked the modality of psychoastrology. What is psychoastrology? Psychoastrology, Randy, it's quite simply where our personal psychology, the things that make us who we are, our life experiences, our collective experiences, our genetic composition, where that meets our natal astrology, which is the birth chart the snapshot in the sky that was taken when each of us were born and entered our physical lives, which I see as, as a blueprint and kind of a language to help us understand our propensities and patterns. And we're not dictated by these in a fixed way. The exciting part is that we have free will and choice to be and create our realities as we wish them to be. So it's you understanding kind of what we came in with and then deciding what we want to keep and what we'd like to change are the components of psychoastrology. Okay. And so your book is called The Chiron Effect. What is, um, where did that name Chiron come from? Sure. I think the best place to start with listeners to really see if you can have an emotional connection to this to this material, to this experience, is think about, you know, yourself, and a lot of us feel pretty good about ourselves most of the time, but there might be an area where we feel like we're vulnerable, where we have weakness, and this might play out in the realm or ways of people really love us, really think we're awesome, we're, we're successful, we're perceived as successful, but you might inwardly feel like you're never good enough, or you might secretly and privately have been really deeply wounded by someone else's misaligned sense of power, and we feel like we have to hide that from others instead of being open, and that creates like a disconnection from our deepest innermost self, and without addressing directly where our wounds are, where our vulnerabilities are, we start to kind of create sideways, unconsciously, patterns and images that we really don't want to have, but this stuff comes up in our lives. 
And so that's the Taiwan effect. It's this, like, invisible pull towards things that, you know, we, we kind of wish weren't there, and they're only healed and transformed by going within, by really talking to that younger self oftentimes, Randy, how much they are loved, how much we're here for that part of ourselves, how sorry we are that we went through some of the things that we've been through, even in the absence of that person taking responsibility, which so often can happen, where we really attune to that inner need and we shift the effect of these painful patterns in our lives and come into a wholeness where we truly feel more confident and seen and heard. And so um, we're talking about you, you mentioned um, the repetition compulsion, which um, kind of Freud um, termed, and it's about these um, recurring and painful cyclical patterns. Um, how does the repetition compulsion so, um, filter into this? Sure. Well, the goal is that the, the compulsions we want to repeat in our lives are the ones that are beautiful, that are wonderful, that we're feeling loved, we're feeling seen, because we can upgrade our patterns by really creating, we're a container for change, Randy, as I'm sure you and your listeners know. Like all change happens within us, and so there might be patterns that you're repeating that are unconscious, that again, you're kind of slightly out of your awareness, that you desire to be loved, you desire to be seen and heard by your partner, but yet you're consistently feeling neglected and overlooked. And I know your show focuses on narcissistic abuse, so that is the wound that is repeated in these types of relationships of, of being wounded by someone else instead of being seen and heard and just deeply cherished which we all deserve, we all deserve love and compassion. And it starts with learning to really love ourselves more deeply and looking at the people, places, and things that make up our lives. That's that patterning, the orbit, the frequency that we inhabit daily as our routine. And that includes people in our lives. And maybe there's some people occupying space in our lives that it might be better if they weren't taking up so much of our emotional space and time. And so that journey into healing and self-forgiveness will help us have the confidence to break those patterns. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. <clears throat> so how is, um, so I know Chiron is, it's based on um, Greek, the word Chiron is based on the Greek, myth, Greek mythology. Um, but this is also related to um, our zodiac signs and the houses of our natal chart. So where, how is Chiron's core wounding located, um, or where can we find this in our natal chart? Sure. I think also it, start, it helps to understand Chiron is the healer of the zodiac. Chiron, like you mentioned, Randy, in Greek mythology is the founding father of the healing arts, of medicine, of therapy, of pharmacy. And so in mythology, he represented kind of the best of us, that innate healing, like when a bone breaks, when a cut, when, when we're cut, you know, the body immediately sends resources to start to self-heal. Those principles also apply to our emotional health and well-being. And so Chiron represents that part within all of us that, that seeks healing and knows innately to move towards it. So to identify where this is personally in your natal chart or your birth chart, as it's commonly called, is simply by knowing your, your date of birth, your place of birth, and if you have it, your time of birth, which reveals the astrological house. There are 12 houses, 1 through 12. One relates to personal identity, your self-esteem, going up and through the 12th house, represent spirituality and kind of more hidden things like psychology and, and such. But you don't have to know your time of birth to take advantage of this information. You'll kind of know where this and, – and it's core wounding on a spectrum, Randy. For some of you listening, this, this might be an area of vulnerability, but often when there's that narcissistic wounding, these are deeper wounds like abandonment, neglect you know, an abuse of power, misaligned power. 
And these are reflected in the 12 astrological placements of Chiron being in Taurus or Gemini or Scorpio, and that's different than your sun sign, which you might talk about with friends. Is that relating for you? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'd love to hear more about this. So, um, so the twelve signs of the zodiac would be the sun signs, but we're. But this really is more involved in the houses of our natal chart. No, no, no. No. So I'm glad you're asking that. So we all have okay. a sun sign. What's your sun sign, Randy? I'm, I'm a Virgo. Yes, Virgo. Okay. You're a Virgo. Okay. So you're 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 a Virgo sun. That's what that means. You also okay. have a rising sign. I don't know if you know that or where your moon is. Right. I mean, I've had my chart done, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just okay. pointing that out because there's lots of, we have things in lots of signs. We have our sun sign, which is where somebody asks you, what are you? And you say, I'm a Virgo. You also have your moon in one of the 12 signs. Your moon is in Libra or Capricorn. And just like that, your Venus is also in, you know, um, Aries or Pisces, and Chiron is like that as well. So Chiron is in one of these 12 signs of the zodiac, meaning mm. Cancer or Libra or Leo or Aquarius. And so that's what I mean. So you have more than just your sun sign in, in one of these 12. And, again, mm. I feel like this is getting a little muddled and confusing. All you need to do is, in my book, there's a plug-in. There's a website, nolatherapy.com forward slash Chiron, where you can enter all of your birth info, and it generates where Chiron is for you, as well as a chart in my book, if you'd rather just look up, you know, on the chart where your Chiron is. So it's easy to find out when you get my book. That's all in there for you to be okay. able to have. Okay. And um, that's really good to know. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And you were talking about um, moving toward healing, and I guess that would mean away from these patterns and away from pain. Um, do we normally move towards healing or is that something that um, we have to really be prompted to or, um, you know, or become aware of? Is that a natural affinity that we have? Sure. Again, I'm going to, I really, because I really want to connect with the audience. I'm tuning in emotionally, spiritually, to, to the need of, of everyone listening and who will be listening. And so just okay. think about your own life. Think about your own path. You included, Randy. You're in this too. Think about your own life. And, and uh, certainly, we are wired, like I mentioned earlier, wired for happiness. We're wired to have our, live our best life here in, in our journey that we're all on, that our deepest desires are to be happy, to be loved, to prosper, to really use our gifts and, like, live our very best life. And once you've lived any amount of life, you know, there's childhood experiences. Some of our childhoods were wonderful and some of them were very painful. And there's midpoints all along that spectrum. So we enter our adult lives with a certain amount of tools in our toolbox for emotional well-being. And I, and I know from my own experience that, when we grow up with parents that are on that narcissistic spectrum where our needs were not met, we were emotionally neglected in most cases. We were even abused very blatantly through trauma, sexual abuse, through domestic violence, through, you know, those, those things that cause us to doubt ourselves, that cause us to have low self-esteem. And as women especially to put the needs of others first, that we enter our adulthood and adult relationship, you know, without the tools to know how to, how to really love ourselves and be cherished. And so my book seeks to heal in the most streamlined way all of those experiences that you may have gone through. And my book is designed that you start from the very beginning chapters where we are creating the container for change. And that specifically has to do with developing the ability to change the thoughts we have about what's happened to us and start to see how these things might have happened even for us to truly love ourselves and others more deeply. We start to adapt 
like a new lens, like we put glasses on to look through the lens of our lives differently through empathy for ourselves, not beating ourselves up like our abusive caretakers, our narcissistic partners might have. It's like you release that judgment and criticism and you adopt loving yourself. I am so sorry you went through that. And these are the kind of things, Randy, my book is teaching you to say every day, to really live into compassion for yourself through affirmative words, through deciding, you know, learning some skills, how to set boundaries and say no to others and yourself, and as well as set boundaries of saying yes to you, yes to more love, yes to more fun, yes to pleasing yourself more than all the others. Is this speaking to you and your audience, Randy? Clearly. (laughs) Yes, very clearly. Absolutely. And, and yeah, this is a really, really important point um, because the, you know, we naturally um, get down on our, down our, on ourselves and um, beat ourselves up emotionally. And it's just, that's just one of the symptoms of going through this, unless we really um, are aware that there's a different way to do this. I think that it's natural for us to repeat these patterns and repeat these messages, these limiting beliefs that have been planted into us. Um, and so it's very, very important to understand how, how we must be kind to ourselves. We must be good to ourselves. We must treat ourselves well. And we must want um, more love in our lives, including the way we love ourselves, right? Absolutely, Randy. And I think there's some some listeners, when you haven't had those experiences, it's like, where do I even start? What does loving myself even mean when you haven't had the physical life experience of that? As many of the people that I've worked with, I've been a therapist over 22 years, and when you come from abuse and trauma and then find yourself in a similar romantic relationship, similar friendships, it can often be overwhelming of how do I even step on the path? to love and cherish myself when no one else has. You feel like you don't deserve it. I was certainly in that place as a young person, having abusive and narcissistic caretakers in my life and really having to start from ground one of learning to press pause. It's the first and best thing you can do for yourself, just pause. Let me just find some time and space to be with my own thoughts, to set an intention upon wanting to learn to do things differently for myself. That is the starting place, just an intention that I want to see life get better for me, that I want to see that I actually deserve better. Because, Randy, it's hard when especially a mother is abusive to you. If your own mother doesn't want you, how is anyone else? That's something I struggled with a lot growing up and into my adulthood. And it's really, you know, where the rubber meets the road, that's a section of my book, it's really looking at, it's asking a lot to just step into affirmation and love when you've never had that, right? Like, it's like, right. where do I even begin? And so just to make this really user-friendly, in my book, I start from that very ground floor in the first chapter where you're really looking at the deep needs that you have that have been overlooked and setting the intention that I'm going to be about this. So is a way, hope is a fundamental predictor of change. And there's a section in my book about hope, that we need to have hope that there is change and help. And that's why your show, A Fine Time for Healing, comes in, to really show the way through your guests and, and, you know, your own wisdom that we can change these patterns. And then life starts to show up for us and meet us. And a limiting belief, as you referenced, Randy, it's just a thought that we've thought repetitively. And in my book, I give you some new thoughts, some new perspectives to consider for yourself so that you can change your beliefs. And then it's from our belief sector that our behaviors emanate from and our life unfolds. So it's really a reparenting of ourselves in these ways that my book lays out for you. And that is so needed for so many people to be able to reparent themselves. So thank you for giving us that guideline. Um, I think we may have a caller. Would you like to take a, take okay. a question? If Okay. Let's sometimes people Sometimes people call in just um, to listen, but let's just see. 
Um, good morning. Did you have a question for Lisa or comment? Um, well, I just started listening um, to the show, so I'm still trying to wrap my head around what, okay. what okay. ladies are doing today. <laughs> okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm, I figured you might just be listening, so I'm going to put you back on hold. We have a lot more to talk about, okay? Keep listening. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. okay. Um, so you talk about how to um, transform our wounding into strength by creating a container for change. Um, and the first thing you talk about is developing the ability to change the thoughts about what happened both to us and through us. So can you elaborate on that and what that's about? Sure. Yeah, that's what I was just talking about, in fact, with, with our, right. our audience, Randy, just seconds ago. It's, it's really stepping into this place within yourself. And I suggest in the beginning of the book, to set aside maybe 20 minutes a day, get a candle, a journal, simply a notebook even that you like, that you're going to set aside this is your time for yourself, where you're going to really focus on your own thoughts, on your own emotions, on your own experience. It's not about anyone else but you. And that could be new to even create that time in your schedule. And if it's not every day, because that can be a lot, for some people, balancing a lot of responsibilities, even if it's once or twice a week, that you sit down to start looking at yourself through these different lenses of more compassion and, and empathy. Because at the core, as you and I spoke about before coming live, at the core of narcissism, it's an empathy deficient disorder where people with this disorder, they lack empathy. They're not able to put themselves in your shoes and see things from your perspective. Only as it pertains to them are they able to be empathetic. And that leaves you in a consistent pattern of being wounded because you're not understood. So this time and space you're creating for yourself to read, to journal, is is about empathizing to yourself because attuning to ourselves is another way of saying it, is the most healing thing we can do. We don't need the apology of someone else to fully heal. We can attune and attend to that part of ourselves and in that start to transform into some joy and some peace. Yes, so this is so important. So can you give us some ideas of how we would begin to have that insight when we're sitting with ourselves and, you know, we're, we're kind of examining things and we're trying to develop this capacity to love and forgive ourselves and understand ourselves and, you know, view this in a different way. What are some of the tools that we can use um, to start diving into this stuff? Yeah, that's a great question, Randy. And in the book, in the beginning chapters, I prompt you, I share a bit about one of my childhood experiences with my grandmother, Mimi, and a time when I felt really loved in my childhood because I think most of us do have those moments, that there are moments when we felt really seen and heard by a teacher, by maybe a grandparent or an aunt or uncle. And so I encourage you to to journal, to write about Sometimes in your life where you did feel really loved, really seen, really safe, where you felt physically safe, emotionally safe, as well as writing about the experiences that come up when you didn't, when you did experience trauma and neglect. So it's through balancing both perspectives, really starting to get a picture of your early childhood development and those years. And the goal is to connect with that younger self. That, that little one inside that I sense needs a lot more love today. When we're triggered, that's an unhealed energetic attachment, and it's most often a younger part of ourselves that's stimulated, and that's actually good news when it happens because it just shows where you need more love, where you need some more kindness and attention to yourself. So there's some prompts to to really work with those triggers that are happening in your life even right now so that you can gain some clarity over even what age, like when did I feel this before? A question I like to ask myself, Randy, if I'm feeling emotionally triggered is just press pause instead of the fight, the flight, or freeze response. Just pause, Lisa, and okay, you're feeling some pain, you're feeling some anger, frustration, some sadness, some hurt, 
okay, just breathe, just pause. When have you felt this before? And just listen for that answer because it will come up that moment earlier in your life where you've experienced this kind of emotion. That's where you might write to a part of yourself, speak to a part of yourself. Okay, and this might be at work. It might be a coworker that said something to you that that triggered this emotion, and it might not be the time or place where you can take 20 minutes for yourself. But you just simply tell yourself inwardly in your mind, I see you, I hear you, I'm going to be with this part of myself later. And you just kind of breathe into that. And often you'll feel some immediate relief, Randy, just attending to that part of yourself. And then do go back later at night and sit with that part of yourself and ask him, her, them, you know, what's coming up here. And and let that part of you come through. And it's in these ways we start to develop self-soothing capabilities which is really where we start to heal, being able to soothe ourselves more and more and more. Hmm. How do you feel about that? I like that. I really do like that. So what if we're having this trigger and then we try to think about where is this coming from? And the first thing that we can think of is something that recently happened that um, caused us to feel this way. Because I know that, that that's kind of the, the tendency when you're just beginning this kind of work, rather than to go back to the core, to the origin of where it starts, but to go back to the person that caused this to happen to you recently. So how do we move past that kind of thought and really delve into, um, you know, where this core wound is, um, has originated? Well, you know, I think that takes some time and some practice to to really become aware of those deeper layers. And it's most important to just start where you are. You know, you don't want to go overwhelming yourself and triggering, you know, destabilization emotionally, especially since most of us are managing and balancing. It might be children, a, a job, you know, a partner. There could be multiple areas of your life that need your presence and time. So you want to go through this work as much as you're currently able and aware. And if the first thing you think of when you're triggered is something that happened last week with a significant other, with an intimate partner, or someone close to you, then that's just right where you need to be. I think there's a lot of this kind of pushing and and healing to like just go to the core wound so fast, but you actually want to develop methods to self-soothe first, and I talk about that in my book. You want to progressively go deeper so that you have the containment skills, it's called, in therapy to contain your emotion, to not decompensate, you know, and go to, say, the childhood sexual abuse memory that you might not be really ready to, to look at without, you know, a healing practitioner to guide and support you. Um, so it's really important to just notice what is that first memory, as you said, Randy. Okay, it's last week and how I felt. And just just take some time there. Wow, this came up. This isn't resolved for me from last week. Like this is still an active um, issue, an active wound for me. So I'm just going to be with that right now. So you really just want to start where you are and progressively for layers. And I do suggest doing that with a healing professional that has some knowledge and awareness of what you've been through and, and helping you down the path. What do you think about mm. that? Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Uh, in Chapter 3, you talk about the power of your mind, and um, I think this is a real important point to talk about, responding as opposed to reacting. Um, and I really want to talk about more about that because I think we are, uh, many of us, react rather than respond. And I think that's a skill that we have to really teach ourselves. So what are your thoughts on that, um, responding as opposed to reacting? That's where that's definitely a a skill that that we need to work those attitudinal muscles, those emotional muscles. Our mind is a muscle, just like the muscles we have in our body. And so you know, it, when we're sensitive, when we're in especially a relationship with a narcissistic partner, person, family member, that it can be really easy to go to reactivity 
in the moment because it's like a hot button that's been pushed so many times. You're kind of raw there emotionally. And so to start to interrupt that cycle in our minds, it takes by first when you're in a calm space, like maybe right now listening to our show, you might be feeling like, okay, yes, this is resonating. And just say to your own self, you know, I'd like to create a pause button in my mindset. And so you can practice that systematically in situations that aren't so triggering in conversation where you just start to pause before you respond to someone. It might feel weird at first, a moment of silence. I'll take one right now, Randy, to gather my own thoughts. And just like this, just taking a moment of pause. And even if you need to say, you know what, give me a moment with that question. And you start to create that space between your thoughts, which is what a pause is. And sometimes you might say, you know what, I don't know about that right now. I'm going to need to check in and get back to you. So you start giving yourself permission to converse in a, in a slightly different way that invites in the pause. And it might be like, ooh, ouch, I feel something around that. Let me take some time with this and get back to you. Somehow that, that, landed, that landed in a way that I feel something around. And, you know, you don't have to go forward with every conversation as it's happening live in real time. And that's something I've had to learn, Randy, to, to just, you know, let me get back to you on that. I'm feeling something around this. And I really want to have clarity. And in that way, we don't escalate things into that, you know, really destructive conversations where it becomes fighting and, and such, where you might feel bad about yourself or wounded so deeply by another, you can step away. Mm. How does that sound and feel to this you? Is so this is, yes, no, I mean, I completely agree. Uh, it takes practice and, um, you know, especially with narcissistic abuse, um, <clears throat> they cause us, they push our buttons. They want us to react. And so we are conditioned to react. Um, and, you know, and it's very hard to change that. And, you know, when I, when I explain to people that reaction is, um, is something that feeds narcissists, it doesn't really help the problem. And you're not really going to have a discussion. Um, it's not, you're not going to go anywhere with providing them any information. It's always best not to react. So, this is really important that um, everybody here and to know that we are okay, that it's okay to take a pause. <clears throat> I think that um, people that, especially when we've had um, difficult childhoods, we tend to talk too much. We tend to say too much. We tend to over-explain. And once it's out of our mouth, it's out of our mouth. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, li- I like what you're saying. I, I do, that we just take time and say, I don't know, you know, even if you want to say that, not sure. I'm not sure. Let me think about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, Randy, to speak to your point of, of when you start to change your pattern, you know, they're not going to like it. And so I think, I know in my experience with narcissistic people, didn't like it iced out and you feel like you've been abandoned. So again, to have just full consciousness that when you start to change your pattern, people closest to you initially might not like it because you're getting healthier and they benefit sometimes from our dis-ease, from our unhealthiness. You know, it's serving for them to feel needed and attended to. And so know that when you start to change your patterns, if you start to put a pause or, or not over-explain, you might get a reaction. The person might, again, ice you out. And that can feel like an emotional abandonment. That can be painful because sometimes even, uh, you know, being, being emotionally abused, the talk feels like something, feels like some kind of connection versus an absence of connection. Am I speaking again to the, the audience, Randy? And it might be hard to get to be, you know, iced out. And I'm wondering if you can jump in about this. Do you know what I'm Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I I do. I know exactly what you're speaking to. Often when we change our reactions around these kind of people, um, they will ramp it up and to try to work harder to try to solicit that reaction from us. And so it becomes that much harder because um, 
and you know, this is really the point because when I tell people, um, you know, don't react and they say, well, I've tried that and it just gets worse. And I say, well, yes, yes. it does. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And it's important to understand that that's the next, you are changing the pattern. It reminds me of that book, the dance of anger that was written years yes. ago. Um, yes. You know, where, where you have this perfectly choreographed uh, way of relating to each other, just like a dance. And when one person changes their dance step, the other one has to, or they're going to get their feet stepped all over. So um, it, it does. It does take people uh, time to adjust to this. And narcissists who feed on reaction are not going to like this. But we obviously cannot please them no matter what we do. <laughs> We've bent over backwards every which way trying to make them happy, and it doesn't work anyway. So we really have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, and I, I love what you just said. Thank you for that. It does take a real commitment to yourself and going into it, you know, knowing that this could get worse. And sometimes things get worse, feel worse before they get better. But I think that's where you really need to hold on to your why. And your why, in my estimation, could be something centered around I'm committed to loving myself more. I'm committed to finding my voice, to speaking it. To, to being more in control of, of myself that I deserve, you know, and even if you don't feel like you deserve, because I didn't for a long time, I want to know that I deserve. I, wanna, I want to believe that I deserve better than this. Life, show me. Universe, help me. God, you know, help me, teach me, show me that this can get better and start to notice what shows up because the hardest step is the first one that you make in this new direction for yourself. And it's okay if you don't do it perfectly. No one does. Just even choosing to, to want to do it differently is a step in your mind. And I really encourage that you do enlist a supportive person, a healing professional, so that when you're challenged, when it's harder, that you have someone to go to to support you through this journey, on this journey. It is very important. This is very difficult to do alone because yeah. so many things come up, so many questions come up, and um, yeah, just like setting and boundaries and everything. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, do. you don't need to be alone is the number one thing. Like you've been alone as it is. The narcissist has probably sought to isolate you first and foremost, so you might already be and feel alone. It's about reaching out and connecting out of that system to someone else who can help you maintain your clarity and your vision. Yes. So let's talk a little more about how, um, how we apply Chiron um, to yeah. these, to the core wounding. Um, and, you know, you talk about uh, each of the 12 signs of the Zodiac and the houses and so forth and so on. So can you explain how that actually gets applied? I know in your book, you, go into great detail about this, but just to give everybody an idea of what and, this yeah. is about. Absolutely. So you're going to enter your date of birth info either on the website or find on the, in the chart, in the book, you know, where your Chiron placement is. And just to make this real, let me share some of the core woundings. And again, this is on a spectrum. It was too big to put in the title, the spectrum of core wounding, but it truly is on a spectrum. On one end, these are deep core wounds for some of you. And for others, these are areas of vulnerability, or it might be more of an ouch than like a, a real, you know, setback that kind of takes you out emotionally for a while. And the, the core woundings and vulnerabilities that we've experienced, and there's one of these 12 areas that are pertain to us more than others. This looks like things like core wounding in your sense of value and worth and your self-esteem. That's Chiron and Aries, where you, you don't feel good enough despite your accomplishments and success. It's like you have to keep performing and people-pleasing is a part of the way you've learned to source love and acceptance. That's Chiron and Aries. Chiron and Taurus is a core wounding by neglect. And this is the individual that might have experienced sexual abuse or trauma in your life growing up when you're younger. And this is really about healing the relationship to your own body and, and learning to set those loving limits with others. 
Chiron in Gemini has to do with core wounding and empathetic attunement. You might have been bullied growing up and in school. Or conversely, you might have bullied to try to protect yourself from being hurt in those ways. And this is the experience where, you know, you feel like you're being clear with people, but you're constantly misunderstood. And it's so frustrating to feel like you're not being seen and heard empathetically by others. Chiron in the sign of cancer has to do with core wounding by abandonment. You might have been abandoned by a caretaker. They might have left and started a new family, or they might have had an addiction that caused them to abandon your emotional needs, as examples. Chiron in Leo has to do with the core wounding in your creativity, that for you, you're really good at helping others, putting them first, to be creative, you love helping them on their projects and endeavors, but you might neglect your own. And it's about finding your pleasure and your passion and connecting to those parts of yourself. Is it is this feeling helpful, Randy, yes. just to check in yes. before yes. I keep so, going? Okay. No, so let me yeah. just ask you a question. So is this about Chiron entering a sign at a particular time, or is this about something that's in our – natal chart from the get-go that we've come in yeah this is with yes this is is in our natal chart from the get-go that again that blueprint of when we were born you know where the planets were and again the good news is this is not fixed because i know i'm not an astrologer i'm a psychotherapist i'm actually the first psychotherapist to address using chiron using astrology as a way to heal through taking personal responsibility. And again, you might have a different belief, and I respect that. I talk in the book about take what works for you, leave the rest. I believe that we have the ability to change ourselves, to remodel the the brain even through meditation. Studies have shown that meditation remodels our brains to fire differently than what they have before. And so I'm a big believer in that, that as long as we're taking breath, we have the ability to change and really become more of who we want to be so we can be happy. So that's how I view Chiron as well. It helps you understand where you're vulnerable so that you can support yourself in those areas some more. Okay, so we're talking about the, vulner- the, the vulnerability that we've come uh, into this incarnation with. Yes. yes. Okay, all right, and recognizing that. So in other words... It's already written when we come in that we're going to have certain issues in our life that maybe uh, we would have a family of origin um, problem, abuse, something like that, or that we may have it later on in life. So this is pretty much already written in our charts when we come here, right? But actually, we wrote that because we wrote our chart. Yeah. And I know that's yeah. a deeper dive into the quantum field, but we wrote yeah. the life we're going to live. And once we're conscious, born like we are, everyone listening right now, that we have the choice. You know, do I want to keep the patterns of thought and beliefs that I've been thinking or do I want to change them? So this is not written by someone else. This is written by you. So you can change it as well. Hmm. Great point. Well, I, totally, I I completely agree with you that we do write this. That's a hard concept for some people. That people say, "Well, why would I choose something like this?" Um, Randy, yes, I was with. I was one of those people for years, mm-hmm. and when I started to see that, like our power is really in the ability to choose differently, and so once I started to embrace that, no one you know, wrote this for me, I somehow wrote it from a different vantage point in non-physical, you know, where we're in a different experience, not in a human body yet. And then we come here and start to discover, you know, who we are, what we wanted to learn so that we can express our gifts. I think, Randy, some of the most beautiful people doing the most service in the world have been experienced you know some trauma and some hard things and it's through transforming that and being a light for others as you are you know that we're, we're a way shower to show the way for others yes yes absolutely absolutely and yes everyone who is a healer has um overcome tremendous amounts of adversity in their lives uh we all have yeah and so and that's the gift in yeah, you know, in going through something like that is that coming out of the other side, you can 
help others through it. Yes. Um, so, okay, so you were telling us about um, Chiron and the different, you know, Capricorn and Aries and Pisces and things like that. So was there more um, that you wanted to share about that? With no, I feel Paul's like that gives a good sense. I feel like that okay. gives people a good sense, right, of what they'll what they'll be learning about having to do with themselves, that it's really practical, it's usable at the end of every chapter, you know, Chiron in each of the signs, and Pisces, and Sagittarius, and Capricorn, I give takeaway steps that you can start using today to change some patterns, as well as affirmations that you can meditate upon to to really help love yourself more. So there's practical wisdom here. I'm a big believer in that, Randy. And like, what can I start doing today to, to feel better? That's the goal. Right. So let's talk about Chiron and the psychoastrology of the United States of America. This is like in the, in the end of your book. Um, how, how, how do those two fit together? Well, that, that is an addendum chapter that I, my book, I wrote my book before the most recent presidential election, and I had started to sense and feel that there's going to be a change and that there, there could be a female in office as president or vice president. And the publisher is like, you know, we don't want to publish that in case that's not the case. But I felt really mm-hmm. strongly, and certainly we did see that change. And that just speaks to um, Chiron. It's not just in your own personal birth chart. But, but Chiron, you know, cities have an astrological chart. Does it, what, what city are you in right now, Randy? I'm in Fort, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay, so believe it or not, there's like an astrological chart that corresponds with Fort Lauderdale. And for me, Los Angeles and New Orleans. And so Chiron is also found in the birth chart of cities of our country, uh, Independence Day, July 4th, 1776. And it, I just thought it was kind of cool and fun to know that there is the astrology of cities and and the Chiron for the United States of America speaks to this core wounding and taking care of its own inhabitants. And for me, that was weird at first, Randy. I'm like, well, we're the most powerful nation in the country. You know, how are, how is our wounding and the way we take care of, of our own? And then I started to look to the, the big problems and issues we have in the U S center around, you know, children and inadequate education for kids that are in rural and urban areas, as well as accessible health care for people, homelessness, the veterans, the suicide rate that a veteran, I believe, is committing suicide every 22 seconds or 22 per day. It's, It's one of those two, which are vastly different, but it speaks to just the need we have to really love and care for our own inhabitants. So, our relationships, the relationship you're in, um, have a Chiron placement. So it can be helpful to enter the date you were married or the date of your first date, whichever feels more significant, and find where Chiron is because that will give you the vulnerability of your relationship. I did this, Randy, for my business, the date that I incorporated my made my LLC. And when I put that date in the chart, it generated this Chiron placement that had to do with contracts, looking at my like a vulnerability in contracts. And in that very moment, I was trying to get out of a contract I had signed without reading it adequately. So it was so accurate for me to really be clear what I'm signing and not just rushing to sign these 15-page documents you know, for example, without really knowing what's in them. And so it can help you just really feel like you're on top of things, dotting your I's and crossing your T's. That's so interesting that we can do this pretty much around anything. So like like with a city, it would be the date that the city was formed or yeah. uh, incorporated or something like that. That is exactly. so interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, you have a podcast called um, All Things Therapy, and you began that in 2016, dedicated to changing consciousness one conversation at a time. Um, Can you tell us about your podcast? Yeah, Randy, thank you. It's doing exactly what we are. We're changing consciousness through this conversation. And consciousness is defined as simply awareness. We change, you know, our thoughts and beliefs through having conversations and considering new ideas 
for ourselves. And so I started my show, and and this week will be episode 318. I never knew I'd be doing it this long, but it's something I have loved. And even when I don't want to do it, Randy, I feel better after. I don't know if that's (laughs) been the case for you, but Mm -hmm. I always feel so much better after doing a show and, and really bringing guests and information to listeners that they might know already or something new. And I've started to do solo episodes. This Thursday I'm going to do a solo episode just sharing the podcast I've been listening to and kind of getting back to Los Angeles from New Orleans after a nine-month break and just kind of my own thoughts. So it's been really nice to connect with with listeners in in this new and different way. Yeah, I mean, my show has enriched my life in tremendous ways and um, allowed me to be better at, you know, at, at the work that I do. But also, you know, it's connected me. Like when I first started doing this show, um, I've been doing it for over uh, 15 years, something like that, really long amazing. time. Yeah. Amazing. That's amazing, and, Randy. Yeah, it's been a long time, maybe 12, it's a long time. But, um, you know, when I first started doing this show, um, there were so many thoughts that I had about spirituality and philosophy and things like that, that I couldn't necessarily connect with people on because um, it, this just wasn't mainstream stuff. But as I found, which probably you're finding as well, through having a variety of guests who come from different points of view, um, it's helped me to broaden my beliefs and uh, confirm some, change some. But um I've been able to learn about so many different aspects of healing and spirituality and, you know, all this kind of thing. So this has been the most enriching experience of my life. I, I think that um, I'm so glad that I do it. I second that, and I'm resonating with you. Yes, it's like the people I've met and even our conversation never would have happened had I not been a podcaster and author. So even you listening, I feel like there's lots of people, Randy, that want to write a book, and I just want to encourage you to do it. For me, it took three and a half years. Okay, that, it was a long time. And I committed to nights and weekends to write after work and just call out time and space as if it were a client appointment. And when friends were like, can you have dinner? I was like, no, I have clients. But really I was writing because you have to make the time important enough to yourself to show up for it. So I feel just intuitively led to share. If you have a book in you, just start it and commit some time every week and over the months, the years, it'll take form and shape. I agree with you. I agree. I think we all have a book in us. <laughs> I do too. Um, I do too, Randy. Absolutely. Yeah, and it could be it could be intimidating. When I started writing back in 2009, I was not a writer didn't know how to write, never liked writing, um, didn't know grammar, didn't know any of those things. I never really paid attention in school. But through, I was just, I just had this compulsion to start writing. And through that, I learned how to be a writer. And, um, you know, and it's one of my passions now. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, for anybody that's listening, if you're afraid to get started, just start. I was not a yes. good writer. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I wrote, I wrote my memoir in 2009 and I rewrote it again last year or the year before because I looked back and I'm like, that doesn't represent the way that, that, that I still, you know, that, the way that I could write now. So I needed to Yeah, and the way you've grown and evolved. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's beautiful that you did that. Thank you. You too. Yeah. So, Thank you. Um, so, Lisa, what um, is there anything else that you wanted to share about the Chiron Effect or your book or the work that you do? You know, I feel like you've been so gracious and comprehensive. Thank you, Randy. I feel like that really gives listeners a sense of what they'll encounter in the book. And if they do want more of the astrology end, because this is a psychology and self-help book, I have a resource section in the back that refers you to some of the astrologers I've worked with and really love, you know, because I I bring psychotherapy to this placement of Chiron. So I know some feedback has been that it's kind of basic astrology, but that's because that's where I am. I'm I'm a deep psychotherapist, and astrology, it's helpful to know your Chiron so you can really 
support and address your specific area of vulnerability so that you don't feel vulnerable so much and you feel more confident. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at your books of related interest, um, Waking Up in 5D. I've had Maureen um, St. Germain on my show a couple of times, too. I oh, see wow. that you have. Yeah, she's, she's got some um, really good books there. But um, So how do we work with you if we want to, and uh, what is your website? Yeah, my website is nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com, and it stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. You can also find me. I love connecting, Randy, on social media. I'm at nolatherapy on Instagram and on YouTube, and on Facebook, I'm at Chiron Effect, C-H-I-R-O-N-E-F-F-E-C-T. My uh, page had gotten hacked, so I had to start a brand new one just a few <laughs> weeks ago, so I'm building that up again, but I really love connecting with others. Reach out. There's a 20-minute a complimentary session that I offer to see if we're a good fit. And that's at NOLA Therapy. You can schedule online or email me, lisa at nolatherapy.com. And mention Randy's show, and I'll give you half off a first session, oh. like a paid session. Mm. Um, nice. So, yeah, if they mention you, um, I'll give a complimentary 50% discount. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Lisa. What a great Yeah, offer. they just mentioned you or your show. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so... The last thing is, why is it so important that we forgive ourselves and have empathy towards ourselves? Oh, my gosh, because we're way too hard on ourselves, Randy. I feel like you mentioned Mm -hmm. that earlier on in the show Mm -hmm. in something you said. We're just too hard on ourselves, and somehow we think that's going to make us better or help us grow and change, but it doesn't. It just, you know, reinforces negativity and it's really through being like a coach like come on baby you got this like come on sweetie what do you need from me how can I help you like this is how your mind starts to talk to yourself like really lovingly and empathetically because in that way we feel like we can do it that we can change and take those to take those baby steps and that that's enough to start you are so right. Thank you. I just wanted to drive that welcome. point home because, yeah, I really want everybody to hear that. It's hard. Yeah. It's, hard. it's not easy to forgive ourselves, but generally, you know, we haven't really done. Um, we're punishing ourselves for things that really have not really hurt anybody else. We've only hurt ourselves. So mm. um, there's a lot of shame and a lot of blame around, you know, um, past experiences and things like that. We have to be kind to ourselves. It's so important. A lot, you know, when people come to me and they are um, really distraught, I think self-forgiveness is really the first thing that people need to recognize because we make ourselves miserable, don't we? Yes, we can through the torment of our thoughts. Mm -hmm. I reference Mm -hmm. that in the book. I share an experience that as I was writing, I was thinking of some past experience and I'm like, I'm I'm upset, I'm angry, my palms are sweating. There's no one in the room but me. And how often (laughs) do we do this? Like, you know, through our mind, and we can equally use our mind to feel happy, to feel joyful, to love and bless ourselves. You know, so that was like a wake-up call. I want to use my mind to intend the very best of everything for me instead of, you know, limited and, and lack and less than. Yes. Well, I think this is a perfect way to end the show. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I've really enjoyed this discussion, and I've learned so much from you. I know that my listeners have as well. And we're talking about the Chiron Effect, healing our core wounds through astrology, empathy, and self-forgiveness. Chiron is C-H-I-R-O-N. I almost spelled it Chiron, but I was corrected before we came on. So it's the Chiron Effect. Um, everybody should pick up a copy of this book. It's really, really very interesting. I think you'll find... Um, you know, a lot of um, guidance here in this book. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me, Randy. You are a gift. You're a doll. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your day in LA. You too. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments uh, about today's show, you can email me or questions 
at loveyourlifeatrandyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.